19, uh, starting in verse 20. I'm going to read four verses to you. They'll be on the screen here. But as I was preparing this week, honestly and truthfully, I, I do what I do many times. I'm always asking the Lord, what direction, Lord? We, we finished our series on prayer. Where are we going from here? What do we need to do? I'm always looking ahead, but sometimes I struggle with the fact of what I'm reading and what I'm hearing and, and everything, if it's exactly what the Lord would have for you. But Numbers 14, verse 20, I want to read to you these, these verses. And, it's, and Pastor Ted started this morning. I thought he was going to get on my, my message, but he, he gave me some slack, so I'm glad for that. Amen. I wouldn't have had anything to preach. Numbers 14, verse 20. And the Bible says, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because of these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor any of those who rejected uh, rejected me uh, see it. My servant Caleb, I, I want you to notice that he points out, my servant Caleb, because he has, somebody say, a different spirit. One translation says he has a different attitude. Something's different about Caleb, and if you remember, Joshua and Caleb were the two spies that came back with a good report, but he points out here Caleb has a different spirit, a different attitude in him and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he and his descendants shall inherit it. Father, we ask you for a few moments to help us to lean in. We pray, God, that your word, Lord, would uh, God touch our hearts and lives today. Lord, before we know that, God, it is without, Lord, it will go out and it will not return void, but it will accomplish that which it was sent. Father, we thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that these lips today will speak nothing but the truth, nothing but your word today. And Lord, help us to leave here today with our lives changed, with us, Lord, to have made a difference. But we understand, God, that you've got something for us that's greater than what we even see right now. We pray this, we ask you, Lord, all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you here on a Labor Day weekend. I thank God for each of you for being out here. I want to share with you uh, something that I realize that connects with most of us is when I share stories with you about what we remember when we were kids or when we were growing up or what we've dealt with as adults. And so I got to thinking about how when, I, when we were in school, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, they used to have these things called pep rallies. Anybody ever remember a pep rally? And they usually did them on Friday, which was either the night of the game or, or, or uh, maybe a game the next day or whatever. But they would have these pep rallies, and they would. there was a couple of things. Beth and I were talking about a couple of these things on the way in today. One of the things she thought about was this spirit stick, which I'm sure they had. I didn't really think a whole lot about it, but I do remember now that she said it. They had the spirit stick, and they would take that spirit stick, and they would you know, there was a prize maybe at the end of it for the for the group that had the most spirit and who could basically yell the loudest and all of that. And then the class got that or the group got it or whatever it was at the end. But one of the things that I remember
whispered about in the pep rally is that there's there there's the 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 football players and they got the cheerleading squad and and they're all usually making these chants and so forth and so on and 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 one of the chants that I remember about that they would ask you to repeat it they would say we have spirit yes we do how about you I think that's about how it goes and, and then they would you know they would do that back and forth y'all know what I'm talking about and so I thought about that's true, how true that is. The reason they would do these pep rallies, I thought, was to maybe uh, uh, give us a little bit of a break, maybe to give the teachers a break was more of the reason. But, uh, but I also thought about the reason that they did was because as a school, if you're having a winning season, there's nothing that pumps you up any more, any more than a pep rally or, or, or get you to step up and really to get in there and, and gain that. And even if you're having a losing season, if your team is losing, it's, it's good when you know that you got people who are not just fans but they're followers. They really want to be there. They want to stay with you to the end, and they want you to come in, and they, they really want you to put some pep back in your step. They want you to know that you've got some team spirit. And I, I just wanted to share with you today that sometimes in the body of Christ, I believe that we come to the house of God and we're dealing with things in our life, we're dealing with situations in our life that somehow or another make us feel like that we're that we're lo- we've lost what we had at one time. We really don't have all that we thought we had. I remember the day when Jesus found me. I remember the day when he came into my heart. I remember the change that he made in my life. I remember the change that it made in me. I remember coming to the church for the first time. I remember a lot of those things in my life. And so it reminds me of going back to where we just read how that Moses and the children of Israel have come through the are coming through the wilderness and it reminds me how that the Bible says that they were in rebellion that the children of Israel are murmuring and complaining about how things are not the way they thought they should be. Isn't that just exactly, though, how sometimes it is in the body of Christ? We may not come into the church murmuring and complaining, but our kids heard us murmuring and complaining. We don't want to call it murmuring and complaining, but we really were about what's not right and who won't step up and what's going wrong in the church and what happened over children's ministries or what's going wrong in our own life. And, 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 and we're really dealing with all of those things and we really feel like you know somehow or another God has left us out here and he's going to leave us and not help us in there and the Bible says that the children of Israel when they murmured and complained God finally got tired of them if you read back in the chapters just previous to that God basically tells Moses I'm tired of them it would probably be better if I just wipe them all out and start all over again because they absolutely can't get it right they just murmur and complain and Moses basically said God if you don't help them if you don't go with them I don't think I can but if you're willing to go I'll go come on somebody and then in chapter 14 it it picks up where we are and we realize that there's uh, this whole generation that's going to miss out on going into the promised land. Pastor, did they have wandered around for all these days, all these years, all these weeks? They have been wandering around, and finally we realize, Moses, you're not even going to get to go in. Most of that generation, if not all of that generation, is not going to get to go in. And then the Lord stops after all of this, and he basically says, there's two people, but he points out one called Caleb. And he says this about Caleb, as we've already 
told you that there is this generation, this Caleb generation, that remained loyal to the Lord. That even while everybody seemed to be murmuring, while those seemed to be complaining, while their attitude was getting bitter instead of better, instead of believing what God had said, instead of believing that God could do what He said He would do, they just kept believing somehow or another that things were going to get worse. Don't have enough food. Don't have the right water. Don't have the right sleeping conditions. Things are just not right in our life. Can I tell you something today? The Bible said that God honored Caleb because he had a different spirit. His attitude was different. Can I tell you that your attitude has a lot to do with the way that you come into a worship service and what you get out of a worship service. It has a lot to do with how you feel for the rest of the week. I'm going to just share with you today that I believe that we need to understand that if we live our lives with this type of spirit that the rest of the children of Israel did, we will live bitterly and we will not live better. Come on, somebody. But listen to what I'm about to share with you. You say, well, pastor, that's my own personal thing. I'm the one dealing with that, not you. You're not going to listen to me. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible said that because Caleb was faithful to the Lord and had a better attitude, he had a different spirit because he did his future generations, his children and his children's children would experience the promised land. Can I tell you what I want to share with you today? That God wants you and I, Refuge Church, to get our spirit back. Come on, get our spirit back. I, I know that we're about to go into a, a series of services and that people will come out of it pumped up and they're ready to go. I know we'll send kids to camp and have this year and they'll go to different conferences and they'll come back pumped. But can I tell you something? We need to get our spirit back. We need to have it back now because there's somebody that's depending on us. There's somebody that we are future generations that are depending on us to have what we need in this day. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I believe that God wants me to share this message with you right now because he's got a plan for you and he doesn't need you to wait for two weeks to get it. He needs you to get it now. Come on somebody. I, I, you say pastor we got somebody good going to come and preach a good word. I know that he is but for right now I'm the donkey that God put up here saying hee-haw. I'm the one that God put in this place to tell you that he's got something bigger and better for you. He just needs you to understand if you'll hear what the word of God is saying to you that he's got something good for you It's on, and he's going to put it on the inside. He's already deposited. He just wants you to walk it out. Amen. Come on somebody give the Lord praise. I got to thinking about this. Beth and I were talking about it on the way here. I had to decide whether I would share it or not. So today is going to be the, the, I'm going to share with you a few things about why I believe this is important. In the 1980s, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of movies until they either come out on regular TV, we, we might would have seen some of that, or, or maybe was at a friend's house, but probably one of the most iconic movies that ever came out in the 80s was Back to the Future. Y'all remember a, man, a guy by the name of Michael J. Fox? You remember the whole story in the Lador, uh, what is it called? DeLorean, I called it a Lodorian, uh, the DeLorean that he rode in. And uh, you remember all the things that he was doing. And the future was 2015. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? What, what really stands out to me is the car. What really stands out to me is a lot of those things. But what really, really, really struck me with all of that when reading even these scriptures is this fact. That he had to get right in the past, are you hearing me, things. He had to make that, it had to be right or it would affect everything that was coming in the future.
future. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I, I just come by to share with somebody today, maybe a parent or a grandparent or, 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 or a single mom or dad or, or maybe a cousin, aunt or uncle. I don't know who it is that God's trying to tell you, tell this to you today, that God is wanting you to get your right now correct so that your future, come on, will be blessed and not messed up. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I, I believe that God's wanting to remind you. He's wanting to tell somebody in this house today, please don't quit. Please don't give up. Keep moving in the right direction. Stay planted in the church that God's put you in. Stay in that small group. Don't quit because God's got something good for you. I, I want to step up and say something else. There's a 20-year-old version of your 10 year old that you have right now that's saying mom and dad please get your stuff right please get your act together please don't quit going to church please get your, your married life worked out because I'm going to need you in the future are you hearing what I'm telling you God's not just wanting to bless you right now but he's wanting to bless your children that are in here and in nursery and in kids construction God is wanting to do something great God's wanting me to tell you today as the donkey he put up here get your spirit back. Get back in yourself what he put in you to begin with. Come on somebody. Listen parents and grandparents, we've got an opportunity to get it right right now. We've got a we've got a we've got a we've got an opportunity to serve God with our whole heart. But I want to say to you today that our children recognize when we are living half-hearted. Our children recognize when church is a second priority. They recognize when we really are not living what we say that we are. We're saying one thing, standing at an altar, declaring one thing. We're saying it out of our mouth, but we can't control it. When we get to the house, hear me, they will not listen. But when you and I declare that we're going to serve God wholeheartedly and that regardless of what What's happening to us this week on the job, everything they've heard about, we're going to worship God Monday to Sunday and we're not going to change our lifestyle simply because our circumstances have not aligned up with what we thought. That He's still the same God. That I didn't come here to worship Him because of what's happened to me. I've come here because of who He is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You need to get your spirit back. Come on, somebody. Please don't play foolish games parents with your marriage. Come on somebody. Your children need you. They need us to get it right. I, I thought about in, in the Bible and I'm going to give you three things here in a minute but I want to share with you the story in Judges chapter 16. There's a story about a, a man by the name of Samson and the story, I, I'm not going to go into the whole story but you've heard these, uh, you know the story of Samson and Delilah and you know that how Samson played games with with his life and how God had said that because he was set apart, he was a he was different. He was supposed to be different. There were certain things in his life that he weren't supposed to, well, was not supposed to do. These some of your teenagers, I know I've given them ammunition now, but I, I got news for you. We, we we get in battles over hair when hair is not the issue; it's the heart. I'm gonna preach this. And I'm not telling them and giving the right, but I, I used to tell uh, my kids, we would say, or I would tell my parents because I wanted to get my hair, you know, and I'll grow my hair long and everything else. And I'd say, Mom and Dad, there's only one story in the Bible about a haircut. 
and that man got his eyes jabbed out. Come on, somebody. I, I, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And some of us want to battle with our kids about their hair, and, and we want it to be a certain way because that's the way we were, and it's not a hair issue. It's a heart issue, and there's a lot worse that they could be dealing with. I'm trying to help some parents and grandparents. I'm trying to help us to get it right now because if we don't get it right now, amen, it's going to mess with our future generation. It's going to mess with our future. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Judges 16 and 20. The Bible says that Delilah is, is trying to get out of Samson. What is story? What is it? What's the strength? What is, the, what is it? And they're pressuring him and he's under pressure. And she cries out, Samson, he, she now has figured it out. She tells him several things. You need to go read the story for yourself. But the last thing was, if you cut my hair, then my strength is gone. As a Nazarite, he was not supposed to have a haircut. That's the story. And so he lays his head in her lap. He, he, he falls asleep, and she begins to clip the locks of his hair. Come on, somebody. And, and, and he must have been a deep sleeper is all I know. But she caught, clipped the locks of his hair. And the Bible says that every time that Delilah would tie him up with new ropes, every time she would do all of these things, she would say to him, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are um, there upon you. In other words, your enemy is here. And the Bible says that Samson, oh, I feel the Lord in this house, would shake himself. And the power of God would come over him. And if it was new ropes, he would break them off. And he would defeat his enemy. It was before the day of grace. It was before the age of grace. But hear me. The Bible says that Samson continued to play games with God. He played games with Israel. He played game games as one of the judges that God had called. He was a leader. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And future generations was going to be dependent upon him. And the Bible says that when she clipped his hair off, it was the it was the, the the strength that was the key to his strength. When she woke him up, he thought in his mind, I'm gonna do what I've done always before. I'm gonna shape myself just like I always did. Oh my, hear what I'm telling you, church. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. Can I tell you this, church? If we're not careful as adults, we'll play around, take her around with God in and out of church, got our attitude here and down there, trying to figure out what we think is best for our own life instead of letting God lead us. And we'll go to church and one day we just believe that God ought to show up but for some reason we feel empty some reason there's something wrong we've lost our edge we don't feel the love that we did anymore hear what I'm telling you and not even realize that the spirit of God has left now pastor we live in an age of grace will God not uh, deal with you will God not bless you yes he will will God not love you yes he will but I'm here to tell you one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible is when Samson shook himself and God was gone and he did not even recognize him he didn't even realize it it's possible to play church long enough that you come into church and that you keep messing around with God you move you you want to get out more than an altar service you want to you want to go get something to eat rather than get up here and tarry around the altars and miss the move of God. Oh come to a service that everything looks good. Come to a service that all the worship is up and the preaching is up and we want to shake ourselves again but we don't feel what we
we used to feel anymore. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Do you know what was happening? The favor of God was drifting in Samson's life. He was drifting and the favor of God was drifting. God moved just enough in Samson's life so his eyes were open and then he was blinded. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The Bible says that he got his eyes poked out and he had to have a little boy lead him instead of him leading the whole nation of Israel as if God had wanted him to. He had to get a little boy just to lead him to the temple to put his hands at the pillar. Hear what he said. He said, Lord, one more time. My God, I feel this in my heart today. Just one more time, do what you did in me before. Listen to me, church. I'm part of that generation. I'm standing at the doors. I'm standing there, and I'm praying, God, do it in me one more time. Lord, there's somebody dependent on me here today. There's somebody that needs to hear this word. Lord, do it in my life one more time. It's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to come to church. It's easy to feel like somehow or another when you get to church, you know, I've lost something. It feels like my, my, my edge is not there. My zeal is not there. My identity is not there anymore. I'm preaching to you not from something I don't know. As you can tell from the passion in my voice and the passion in me is that I've been at this place. I have felt this before. I know what it's like and it hasn't been that long ago that I feel like somehow or another, God, you moved away from me. Lord, you have drifted. I have drifted from you, but somehow you have shifted your favor from me. Hear me today. Thank you, sir. I believe that God loves us so much that all he's doing is waiting on you and I to walk back right where we left him, walk right back to the place where we said, God, I don't. I think I can do this on my own now. I think I'm able to do everything I need to do. Listen to me. He's waiting for you and I to walk back and say, God, do it one more time in my life. Today, God is reminding us who we are in Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to declare to you today, you are a winner. I said you are a winner. We just need our spirit back. I got to thinking about spirit, about the spirit and getting your spirit back. And I thought about three things. I thought about a, th- a lot of things I could share with you, but one thing that I thought about today was having a faith spirit. Have you ever had the feeling that something just didn't seem right? You loved God, you loved your family, you were going to church, but you couldn't put your finger on the feelings. Let let me just, I want to stop here and share something with you. That many times, and you're not alone, that when this happens, you have the tendency, we have the tendency to point our fingers and say, well, they're just not, uh, uh, the preacher's not giving me what I need. I'm not getting what I need at a church. I, I can't tell you the times in over 30 years of ministry I've had people who showed up in six months, and I'm not just talking about here, and then in six months God had told them to leave. He had told them to come, but God had told them to leave. And many times what I've found is it's not, even though as a pastor you start looking inward, you start checking yourself, you start asking yourself about your prayer life, you start asking yourself about your, your study of the Word, but many times when we as a, as a believer let this happen or it comes into our life, we, we, we point our fingers. We'll even point it at family members. Well, this is going on, so that's why I feel the way that I do. Or, or they didn't do this or they didn't do that. That's what we do. But the truth of it is the first place that we need to take inventory is in our own faith. Can't put a finger on it. Can't put a finger on your feelings, but you... 
you, you, you go to prayer because that's what we do. We go to prayer. And personally, I understand this is, this is not just a, a message that I said, well, we can put this together, this together, and this will sound good. It's personally how I started to feel several months ago. And I started feeling like, that. listen to hear, hear what I'm about to tell you, that my identity is in what I did and not who I was. What are you saying, Pastor? We went, while we were away on our anniversary, and decided that we would take the matinee in, $5 person, get to go see the movie Overcomer, and I won't go in and give you anything that would cause it to be a spoiler, but we'll share with you a couple of things. In that movie, one of the things that I, I, I really hit me, and I sat and I do what I do best in movies like that, and that's cry. Beth, you'll say you want to go see it. I'll finally agree to go see it. And in my heart, especially when the Kendrick brothers get together and they start praying and that church starts praying and they put together quality productions that you know they've bathed in prayer. Coach Harrison, who's played by Alex Kendrick in the movie that many of you would recognize throughout it, is visiting in the hospital with a pastor who he's there really by accident and ends up into a room of a man who is blind. The man's name is Thomas. And he, uh, Coach Harrison is going to excuse himself and try to get out of the room and he, because basically he kind of steps in it to get out of the way. And Thomas is blind and you could tell in the movie that he's blind and he says to him, you know, he said, you know, he was sorry, uh, Coach says, I'm sorry. And basically he said, Don't, do you not have time to, to visit with me? Would you not do that while you're waiting on, because he was waiting on someone else, only one could go in the room and so he did. To give you the long and short of this, what I really wanted to get to because this really stood out to me is that this man who was blind really found who he was through his blindness. He really began to see who he was in Christ after he was he had become blind. He had not always been blind. And so in the middle of all of this, Thomas, who the coach is visiting, who's the who is in the hospital, he asks the coach these, this question, who are you? That seems like a million dollar question, doesn't it? And the first thing that the coach answers, Coach Harrison answers, is he says, I'm a coach. And that wasn't the answer that Thomas was looking for. He asked him again. He said, if you weren't a coach, then what would you be if that wasn't on the table? He gave him a lot of random answers until finally he came down to this. He said, well, I'm a Christian. And I, I shared that with you to tell you this, that many times our identity becomes wrapped up in what we do and not who he is in us. And we know that we are Christians, but it seems to be the last thing on our on our agenda. It seems to be the last thing that we say. You know, we're we're everything else. We're 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 we're, we're a pipe fitter. We're an electrician. We're a coach. Come on, somebody. We're a nurse. We're all of these things. And then, we, well, I, I'm a mama or I'm a daddy or I, I whatever it might be. But then, finally, to the core of what we're really trying to get at is that Jesus lives in me, and who I really am is a Christian and without him I have lost who I am. I have become wrapped up and I have identified myself with something that I do, not who I really am. Are you there with me? 
We identify with a title instead of who God created us to be. And we, listen, we have been, have been uh, we've picked up things in our lives that don't belong in our lives. We've allowed them to validate us. And I really believe that it's time for us to shake those things off. I'll share with you something that I, I really stood out to me. And, and, and this, this verse, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, which is one that really stands out for me, to me today, is that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But yet many people that I talk to, including your children, walk around with fear. They walk around with anxiety. They walk around with all of this stuff. Can I tell you something? That if you're carrying around that gift, God did not give it to you. Preach it hard today. If I don't ever get to teach this, I'm going to preach it hard. If they're carrying around fear, God did not gift that to them. Every now and again, I'm afforded the opportunity to get to travel. I've been at an airport or two in my my lifetime, and one of the things you'll hear these announcements that basically says that if somebody's trying to give you a package or a piece of luggage or, or, or anything like that, don't accept it from them if you don't know them. Well, some of you, if you've never traveled before, would not stand there and say, when somebody said, hey, can you, can you hold on to this for me? You wouldn't stand there and say, sure, I'll take it. You would say, hey, something's not right here, right? Something is not correct here. Something, why? It, it, it would never, it would dawn on you that it's dangerous. Something is not right. Yet many of us, Many times as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God have accepted the spirit of fear that comes from the world, that comes from social media, that comes from even family members and we're carrying around in our spirit and God did not give this to you. I need to tell you that God has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God empowered you with a sound mind because you've got purpose in your life and He has given you that because He has called you to do something else I'm telling you you've been saved by the grace of God you've been empowered by his spirit and the last thing he wants is for you to walk around with a spirit of fear in your life God wants you to have strength and he wants to give you the desire to do what he's called you to do can I tell you that here's what happens to a lot of us we kind of get uh, we kind of get uh, disillusioned with church we get disillusioned with Somebody in church, we get disillusioned with our life in church and somehow the enemy comes to us and he starts planting this fear, he starts planting this doubt, he starts planting all this disbelief inside of us. Here's what we do, here's what happens to us. Then we start believing that somehow or another maybe God did not create me, maybe God didn't call me for this life, maybe God maybe God didn't call me to teach, maybe he didn't call me to lead a small group, maybe he didn't call me to do what I've been called to do and we get disillusioned with it and our desire for doing what God's called us to do kind of wanes. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're helping me. It wanes. In other words, it kind of goes to the low part of the totem pole. And we start to believe that somehow or another, maybe there's something else. Maybe God really did call me to do this. Maybe my identity is wrapped up in what I do and not who I am. But I want to come by and tell you that you need to get your faith spirit back. He's called you to do it, and what we have to, we've been put here on earth to do, maybe for such a time as right now. It's the very moment that God wants to. You know what we've got to do? Listen to this church. We've got to do what we were singing about right before I stood up and stood, stood in this pulpit, and that is we've got to keep surrendering to the Lord. 
many times we want control of it, and so we don't want to surrender. We're, we're holding with both hands, and God's asking us to put it palms down. If you give it to God, you can't take it back. If you let him have it, then you can't have it back. You've got to keep surrendering. Don't let the enemy send lies your way. Don't let the enemy cause you to believe the lies. The enemy's trying his best to cause you to believe lies that divide your heart, that divides who you are. And he wants to tear apart not only who you are, but he would love to tear apart the body of Christ. Are you hearing me? He uses lies of racism, sexism, and politics or anything that will divide us. Can I tell you, we are unique and we are diverse, but God created us that way on purpose for a purpose. Come on. And God wants to use us the way we are, and he wants to use us just like we are, so he refuses to leave us the way we are, and he does a work inside of us that we cannot do for ourselves. Come on, somebody. It's time for the church to arise. The good news is that Jesus Christ did not give you a spirit of fear. He did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity. He gave you a spirit of, amen, of a sound mind, love. Secondly, let me share this with you. I'm getting close. I have... An offense, offensive spirit. Now, let me clarify what I'm telling you. In football, there's defense and offense. And an offense-type spirit is this. Let me, let me read to you from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? And some say I'm John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Peter or Simon Peter, verse 16 says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and this really stands out to me, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not or shall not prevail against it. In Matthew 16, when Jesus asks, who do they say that I am, he's looking for an answer from Peter. He wants Peter to to give the answer, and he does give the answer, he gives the right answer. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You've answered correct. And then Jesus addresses Peter, and he says, I'm going to build my church, Peter. And it's going to be upon this rock, and upon this rock will I build it, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A gate is offense. It's an offensive item, not a defensive item. Come on, somebody. Nobody holds up the gate and says, look at my gate. Be careful of my gate. Be aware of my gate. It's an offensive item. Hold on with me for just a few minutes. I believe that a few years ago, before I became your pastor here at this church, God was setting this church up. He was using people at the time that he knew that needed to to be used, and he was setting it up for success. As a matter of fact, on August the 28th, 1954, this church was organized. You know, that's 65 years ago that it was actually set in and organized as a local church. God already knew Brother David, there would be battles. He already knew that, Pastor Ted, that we would face things that we didn't know if we would ever get through. And it appeared that that the battles were against people. They were against circumstances. They were against situation. But I'm here to tell you that Refuge Church, come on somebody, God is not done with you. 
I said, he's not done with you. And we've been placed in this community. We've been commissioned by God. Come on. And whatever business you're in or whatever work you do or wherever you go to school, you have been called not to hide out. I said, you haven't been called to hide out. You have been called to take ground. You have been called to kick in gates. You have been called to unlock gates that the enemy has put up. And you have the place and you have the position that God has afforded you, not just to be there as another smiling face, but to be there on, come on, on a commission, on a commission. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It's time to get your spirit back. That's why we need to be in a small group. That's why we need to be serving in the church. Come on, somebody. God did not call me just to make sure that the, that the seats didn't go anywhere in this house. The gates of darkness have been set up by the enemy, but God God said that it will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ because the church of Jesus Christ will invade the gates. We will take back ground. We will take back what the enemy has stolen. That's what God has called us to do. We are on the offensive and we have hope. And the hope is the light of Jesus Christ. And he is still Lord over Vicksburg. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen. I'm going to close. I'm getting close. Lastly, I thought about this. There's a lot that we have. I have a called spirit. You have a called spirit. I have a called spirit. I want the spirit to move. John chapter 15, the verse of scripture, verse 16 and 17. I want to share with you. Listen to this. Some of you come in here and you think, well, this pastor, I don't know, he needs to die up. It's this one or that one that needs to die up. They're the ones that pulled me out. That's why I'm here. I want to share with you this verse. Listen to this. John 15, 16, and 17. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go, look at this, and, and make sure that your seat's still where it's at Sunday. No, he said, Go and bear fruit. You've been commissioned to bear fruit, which means that as I look around this may not understand completely the whole purpose of your reasoning for God choosing you but I want you to know He chose you long before you ever chose Him before you were a thought in your mother's womb He had plans for you, they were good, they were never bad He chose you long before He, he knew that you would have struggles in your life, He knew that you're, you would be raised in circumstances that were seemed to be hard circumstances that your mama wasn't there, your daddy wasn't there. He knew who would not be in your life and who would be in your life. But I'm here to tell you, long before you chose him, he chose you. See, the truth of it is, you and I didn't know where to look. Really he knew exactly where you were. God orchestrated your life and mine long before I ever chose him. God chose you. God picked me. God, God picked me. The Word of God teaches me that He calls me by a new name. Now, I, I want to tell you, uh, let me just share with you this. I was born into this world, and my birth certificate says that my name is David Tony Winkle. All my life, I went by my middle name, Tony. My dad's name was Tony. It made it. Family gatherings, but they 
they figured out ways to be able to affirm it. I mean, my, you know, they figured out how to say that. But Tony was what I went by. When I was in school, there were times that we would get new teachers. We would get new people in. And when they would do roll call, there were a lot of times they would try to call me Anthony. Come on, somebody. They tried to call me Anthony, and, and I wouldn't respond. I would sit there. They would might even say, finally, Anthony Winkler, and, and I would be looking around wondering who I was kin to in the class because that wasn't a name that you heard very often. And I wouldn't respond. And the reason I wouldn't respond, listen to this, is because that was not my name. Listen to me, church. I wonder today how many of us are responding to names that God did not give us. Dysfunction. I'm a failure. I'm broken. How many times do we respond to those things that God has never said over you or about you? God's given you a new identity. Come on, somebody. You can't even go to the courthouse and get it changed. He's called you with His grace, and His grace is sufficient, and none of your failures can take away that identity. You are brand new in Him. I'm talking to you today. One of my favorite scriptures of all times, I'm going to read this, Romans chapter 8. It's one of those that you ought to try to find a version you, you can understand and try to, try to memorize it. Romans 8, it, it teaches us about who God loves, and it says in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, verse 29, for whom He foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, He also called. Whom He called, He has justified. Amen, somebody. And whom He has justified, He has also glorified. Verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us who can be against us come on somebody if God is for us who can be against us who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall we not with him also freely give us not give us all things who shall bring the uh, charge who shall bring a charge against God's elect it is God who justifies who who is he who condemns it is Christ who died and furthermore has also risen. Who is even at the right hand of the Father who makes intercession for us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, divorce. Come on somebody. Failure. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Pain. What shall separate us from the love of God? I, I, I just can't help it this morning. For as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am persuaded that things that I am persuaded that neither life death nor life nor angels or principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height or depth or anything created shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus that's your word would you stand with me come on would you stand with me I told you at the beginning as we close. 
just want to be the one to try to remind you today, get your spirit. Quit listening to what the lies of the enemy are and understand that heaven's declaring over you. And, and, and he's saying that nothing will separate you from the love of God. God's reminding you today that his love is moving to you. His love is moving toward you. And he's reminding you that we are his people. We are a people of faith. Are you hearing me? The offense, not the defense. But you are a son. You're a daughter. Jesus climbed over the Father. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. His grace is sufficient for you. Father, I thank you today. Lord, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you chose me for this day, this hour, this time, Lord, to speak. Thank you, Lord, for using me as your mouthpiece, Lord, to just convey your word today. I pray, Father, that I would honor you, Lord, that I wouldn't say anything that would dishonor you, anything, Lord, that would bring shame upon your name. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, as we, Lord, lift our hands to open heaven, we open our hands with open hearts, Lord, your love is moving toward us, you're moving toward us, and Lord, we thank you, we thank you with open hearts, we thank you again, Lord, for what you've done in our life, and Lord, we pray that you would take the shame. Lord, you take the fear. You take the insecurities. Lord, that you would remind us of who we are. Lord, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That we are not what the world has said. We're not what somebody else has said. Lord, we refuse a spirit of fear. We refuse the spirit of timidity. We, Lord, we today accept this power of love and of sound mind. And Lord, we believe, Lord, that you have called us for purpose. All purpose, Lord. Lord, we move to you today. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you today, Lord. As our hearts are lifted, Lord, our, our hearts are lifted and our hands are open to you. Lord, we ask you today, God, touch us today. Move upon us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we ask you. The Spirit of the Lord, if God's dealing with you, if you heard this message, 